back. You're back. I'm back too. What a great day. Uh, welcome back to episode two of the Reawakening Podcast. The aim for this podcast is to cultivate together things that will move us from wherever we are today to feeling closer and more alive and connected to God. I can't encourage you enough. Don't just listen to these podcasts, but act on them. There's at least one application challenge at the end of each episode. It's it's not listening that's going to see your heart reawaken to God, but it's applying the things that we're talking about. Now, before I dive in, I want to make something clear. If you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit. And you are today as close to Jesus as it is possible to be. You are in Christ. You are a new creation being. You are fully connected to God by the Holy Spirit, which indwells in you as the seal and guarantee of your salvation. One of the easy lies that we can often believe when it comes to our relationship with God is that when we sin or when we mess up, now I'm not saying you do, but but let's pretend, let's say we sin, we, we can tend to think that our sin gets between us and Jesus. Like we're on one side of the sin pile and Jesus is on the other. And so in this wrong way of thinking, we think, oh no, I need to do something to clear away this sin that I did, which got between me and Jesus, so that I can get from here to feeling close to Jesus again. Now that makes sense. It's how it feels, but that's not actually how it is, and this is important. Pursuing the reawakening of our hearts back to Jesus is not about us trying to dig through the sin that we've done to get back to Jesus. No, no, no. We've sinned, and Jesus is not on the other side of the sin pile. Jesus is on our side. Jesus is with us. He is our high priest. He is our advocate. He is our ransomer, our redeemer. The truth is that Jesus is with us. And when we humble ourselves and we repent, then Jesus, only Jesus, who's already dealt with the sin, paid for the price uh, for it all on the cross, Jesus clears up the mess and restores whatever connection with God that's been damaged by our evil or rebellion or sin or all of the above. Our job is to humble ourselves and repent. Repent meaning we stop dumping the sin on the pile. But we can't get rid of the sin ourselves no matter how hard we try. That's what Jesus does. Jesus' work on the cross wasn't just so we could be saved, but so that we could be forgiven, not just in the past on Salvation Day, but but every day, even today. Now, this analogy, it's, it's not about salvation. This is more about functional closeness, about being in a place of favor versus being in a place where you're being disciplined by God. We say, Jesus, I agree with you. I've made a mess here. I'm feeling far from you today, and, and I'm sorry you are my only hope. Come and clean up my mess. I'm sorry. I repent. Don't treat me as I deserve to be treated. I deserve consequences, or or biblically speaking, according to the New Testament, I deserve discipline because of my sin. Instead, I repent. Have mercy. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Now, I say all this 
to hopefully communicate what this podcast is attempting to do and also what it's not attempting to do. We are not embarking on a reawakening mission to deal with all the sin junk between us and God. That's Jesus' job. We can't do that. What we are going to do is to attempt to draw near to God in humility, to draw near to Jesus, trusting Him to deal with the sin junk as we work on our hearts and cultivate our love for God, our our closeness with God, our joy-filled thankfulness for what Jesus has done. So over the next few episodes, we're going to work on some key things when it comes to cultivating a better, closer feeling relationship with Jesus. And I call it laying the foundations in your life of reawakening. Laying the foundations of reawakening. Now, there's several attributes and mindsets and habits that are consistently found in people who are walking in close feeling relationship with Jesus. People whose lives are characterized by feeling closer to Jesus than your every everyday standard Christian. And so for these next several episodes, we're going to start hitting these different attributes, mindsets, and habits, and seek to build into our own lives these significant things with the ultimate result in living, feeling more close and connected with God than we do now as those who have been examples for us in the past. Now, I really wrestled with with which foundation piece to start with. There's there's three that are just so huge. It's like you want to start with with all three at once, when it, especially when it comes to cultivating lives that are reawakened to God. One of them is the Bible. One of them is obedience to God in everything. And another one is prayer. We could have probably started with any of, of these three. But for this episode and the next episode, we're going to talk about laying the foundations of reawakening as it's connected to to reading through the Bible. And specifically what we're going to be trying to cultivate over these next couple episodes, or at least start laying the foundations of cultivating in our lives, is a Psalm 119 love for the Word. Now, what do I mean by a Psalm 119 love for the Word? Well, okay, maybe I shouldn't say this out loud because it makes me sound a little bit like a punk, but I don't think of myself as a punk. Who knows? Anyways, when I hear that people are reading the Psalms, sometimes I like to ask them, what do you think of Psalm 119? And the reason I ask about that Psalm in particular is because if you've ever read Psalm 119 or if you've read it recently, there's a 99% chance that you have one of two reactions to reading that Psalm. There's one group of people who say, oh, it's, it's so, it's long, it takes forever to read. And, and, that's, and that's true. It is by far the longest psalm in the Bible. It's by far the longest chapter in the Bible. It does take a long time to read. So, so some people's first reaction is like, oh man, this is, this is just a long song. Other people, though, find it to be particularly amazing. And they're like, oh, I I love that psalm. It's one of my absolute favorites. Now, why the drastic different responses? It has nothing to do with being a real Christian or being more godly or anything like that. I like some psalms better than I like other psalms. That's normal. That's natural. The thing about poetry is, like the psalms, you either connect with poetry or you don't connect based on heart resonance. 
So you read a psalm and, and sometimes you're like, wow, when I read those words, it captures how I feel and where I'm at and my struggles and, and what's going on with God. And, and you love it. Other times you read it, uh, maybe the same psalm or a different psalm, and you just move on to the next one. Some psalms I'm going to connect with more this year than, than other psalms this year, and, and maybe just different psalms this year and the next year, based on where I'm at in my life and, and what's going on in my life as I read the psalms and, and which ones resonate more with where I'm at today. So Psalm 119 is all about having a great love and a passion for the Bible. You read things like, oh, how I love your law, or I meditate on it day and night. To me, that passion for the Bible deeply resonates with me. I really love the Bible, and what I want for all of you is to discover this Psalm 119 love for the Bible yourselves, to see your love for the Word of God go way up this year until your love and delight for God just can't be hidden. It just starts gushing out of you. Now, for the critics out there, which I, I hope isn't you, but, but just in case, yes, I want you to love God most. That is the most important thing. I am not saying love the Bible more than God. But I do hope you grow in loving the written words of God, the God who loves you, who has preserved through the ages his word and placed it into your hands in your language. This book is special. Anyway, so the first thing we want to do when moving towards seeing our hearts reawaken to God is cultivate a Psalm 119 love for God's word. How do we do that? Well, we read it and we discover that it's amazing and that God meets us in a special way while we're reading his word. I hope today begins for you a journey that I began in 2003 of lifelong cover-to-cover Bible reading. I believe a lifelong habit of cover-to-cover, cover-to-cover, cover-to-cover Bible reading just might be the most life-transforming, life-impacting habit you could ever cultivate. At least it's, it's top three with, with prayer and obedience. I remember reading this biography by A.T. Pearson about George Mueller called All Things Are Possible, or George Mueller, All Things Are Possible. Now, if you've heard of George Mueller, he's, he's famous for prayer and for praying to see God provide for orphans and the orphanage he started in Bristol. And the stories of answered prayer and his life of prayer, they're, they're amazing and inspiring. So I'm reading this biography, and what I wasn't expecting in that biography was to read these words on page 49 of my copy. I quote, As he read and studied this book of God, he felt himself admitted to more and more intimate acquaintance with the author. During the last 20 years of his life, he read it carefully through four or five times annually with a growing sense of his own rapid increase in the knowledge of God thereby. In page 51, just two pages later, I, re I read this. It says, His close walk with God began at the point where he learned that such a walk is always in the light of that inspired word, referring to the Bible. He goes on to say, he who would keep up intimate converse with the Lord must habitually find in the scriptures a highway for such companionship. 
George Mueller, a, a mighty man in prayer, a man who walked closely with God, discovered that cover to cover, cover to cover Bible reading year after year, even increasing with time, was the secret of the lifelong reawakened life. You spend lots of time reading the Bible. You're spending lots of time with the author of the Bible. It's, it's very common for me on nights where I'm feeling troubled or hurting or stressed or overwhelmed to roll out of bed in the middle of the night with my troubled heart and, and troubled mind and go to my couch with my Bible and open it and just start reading. Maybe, maybe the Psalms, maybe just wherever I'd previously left off, just to spend some time with the author of the Bible. Falling in love with the Bible via cover-to-cover Bible reading will be huge in seeing your heart reawakened to God. So how? How? How do we go from here to more in love with the Word of God? I've been doing this since 2003, and from years of experience, I propose starting with answering four crucial questions for yourself. Now, just to be clear, I believe you need to have answers to all four of these questions to really cultivate a Psalm 119 love for the Word of God that'll be sustained over your lifetime. Not just one, not just two, not just three, but to have concrete, solid answers to all four of these questions. The first question that needs an answer is this, when? When? When are you going to set aside specific time to read the Bible? If your plan is just to read it sometime this week or whenever you have time, that is not going to last long term. Eventually, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to crumble. I don't know anyone who has any sustained success with reading the Bible over and over, over and over again for any number of years who doesn't have a workable, pre-established highly prioritized, consistent time set aside just for reading the Bible, a time which will mostly not be interrupted. When? You'll never fall in love with the Word of God unless you read it. You won't read it over the long run, or you're quickly going to fade out if you don't have a workable, pre-established, highly prioritized, consistent time just for reading the Bible, which is going to go mostly uninterrupted. In order for me to start having time like this that worked for me, I had to move from the ideal to something more real and workable for me. I I had always heard that the ideal is to wake up every morning and start your day in the Bible. Great, that is the ideal. Sadly, it never seemed to work with me very long because I had young kids and I wasn't a morning person back then. And so all my good intentions of getting up early might, might last for a while, maybe a few weeks, maybe a couple months, but eventually it would, have, it would crumble. And I would miss a day and then I'd miss two days and then a week would go by, weeks would go by and I'd feel like a failure. And I'd be like, I'll, I'll never be able to be someone who consistently reads the Bible because I wasn't able to keep up with the ideal. Well, then one day I asked myself, when, Brian, when actually will work for you? Every, every day, first thing in the morning just wasn't working. So I came up with a way less than ideal plan, but one that actually worked for me. And and I said to myself, on my day off in the morning, I am going to do all my Bible reading for the week. Now, now don't laugh. I know that as Christians, we're supposed to do this every day and that is the ideal. But for me, 
I said to myself, I'm going to spend three hours reading in the mornings on my day off. Now, I know that everyday reading is best, and I know that starting off everyday reading is best, but for me, three hours, one day a week, changed my life. And I did that for several years, and for the first time ever, I saw consistency, and as a result of that imperfect yet workable for me, pre-established, highly prioritized, consistent time just for reading the Bible, which would mostly be not interrupted, it was a big leap for me. And I moved from where I had been to feeling more fresh and more reawakened to God. It was life-changing stuff. Now, over the years, my life stage has changed. My kids are older. I am more of a morning person now than I ever used to be. Now, my Bible times are daily and they're in the morning before my kids get up usually. And, And sure, I love it more. But back then, that's what worked for me back then. And, and it was huge for me being reawakened to God. So, so start with a when that's regular and that actually works for you. A when that works is way better than an ideal that doesn't. Second question we need to ask ourselves is how much? Now, this is about how quickly you want to read through the Bible. George Miller, for the last 20 years of his life, was reading through the Bible four to five times a year. That's awesome. That's much more than anything I've ever been able to do. But since 2003, I've been reading about one and a half times, one and a half, maybe two times a year at most. Two for me is is pushing it. That's good for me. I definitely suggest, though, not going slower than one time a year. Why? It's easy to get stuck in some of the big books in the Old Testament. I mean, you get to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Those are huge books and you just want to keep moving. Most years, my goal has been to read the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice. It only takes about 80 hours to read the Bible cover to cover out loud. And you can read it faster in your head. Now, now that can be done in one ambitious week. The Bible is not as big as we tend to think it is. Now, you might say that reading through the Bible in a year, that's, that's too fast for you. Maybe because you're a slow reader, have reading challenges. My suggestion for people who, who struggle reading is either just set aside a little bit more time or get an audio version of the Bible. And then, and this is really important if you use an audio version, have your Bible open in front of you and follow along with the audio, underlining the things that you love most. But but follow along with the paper Bible. That's, that's a really important to see the words, to follow along with the reader, and to make your notes as you read along. Now, there's lots of read through the Bible plans out there. For me, I, I really want to encourage you to think of books as books. I read like Genesis in one week, and then Exodus the next week, and then Leviticus the next week, and Numbers the next week, Deuteronomy the next week, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, I put those all together in the the next week. All of those have way different numbers of chapters, but to me, whole books are important. That's just me. If if chapters are important to you, you do you, boo, I guess. Some are all about chapters. I I like to keep books all together. It it doesn't matter. The question is how much, And, and, and checking this Do you have a when that is enough time for you based on how much you want to accomplish? Is three hours once a week enough for you to meet your reading goals, for example? So that's the second question. The third question is, 
What did you love about what you read? That is, that's huge. Uh, many people approach the Bible to learn. Now, if you, you keep reading it, you, you will learn. My primary aim, though, is to look for what I loved about what I read. I see people get lost all the time in the questions and get discouraged. I didn't understand this thing, or I didn't understand that, or what's this about? I don't get that. I say focus on what you do understand and what you do love about it. Maybe it doesn't make sense this time. Maybe this passage or this bit didn't, didn't make all that much sense, but next time, after you've read through the whole Bible, maybe it'll make more sense. Or maybe the fifth time you read it through, it's going to make a lot more sense. This time, today, don't focus on what you didn't get. Really seek to enjoy what you, you do understand it and really what jumps out at you. Remember, this just isn't about reading the Bible once. It's about cultivating a love for the Bible and most importantly, a, a closer connection to the author of the Bible. It will make more and more sense as you keep reading it over and over again during the years. Don't stress about the confusion of now. And finally, maybe the most significant question for long-lasting cover-to-cover Bible reading is this final one, which I'm, I'm going to talk way more about next episode. But for now, I'll introduce the question and it's this. You and who? You and who? I have found it nearly impossible to sustain cover-to-cover Bible reading practices without a friend or maybe a couple friends. I just don't have the discipline year after year to keep going without without a friend. In 2003, I started cover-to-cover Bible reading, and I was very inconsistent. January was amazing. Lots of February was amazing. March was okay. I didn't read anything in April or May. June, I started powering back through it. It was totally hot, cold, chaotic, big bursts of reading, big gaps of no reading. It was a miracle that I got through my first Bible read-through in September of that year. It was so chaotic. Now, after the first time I, I, I made it through the Bible, it was a time for a great celebration, but I also felt like I, I wasn't going to be able to keep this up. It was way too chaotic. And so I did something that has forever changed my life and my walk with God. I went to a friend and I said, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Do you want to read it with me? And what I'm thinking is, Every Wednesday, we'll get together for one hour at Starbucks before work, and we'll each share three things we loved about what we read the week before. We read Genesis by ourselves and and underlined things we loved about it, and then got together and shared our favorite three things. And then we prayed, and, and we were done. That year began a practice that I've done ever since. Then after a month, another friend wanted to join us. After a few months, there was four of us gathered together. I'll talk a lot more about how to do this with with a friend next time. There's definitely some tips and guidance that I want to talk about, which I've learned over the years, some, some things to avoid and some things to cultivate. But for now and for this podcast, the question is you and who? You and who? Who will you ask about reading through the Bible together with this year? My challenge for you is to ask yourself each of these four questions and land on real concrete answers. When? When can you carve out time that will actually work for you each week? How much? What is your pace going to be as you try and read through the Bible? What did you love about what you read? Don't get lost in the questions. Keep reading. And finally, you and who? Who are you going to ask about joining you on reading through the Bible? Next time, I'll talk about how to 
go about reading through the Bible with a friend or two and, and how to make sure it stays life-giving and good. If you enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful or are thinking of someone who you know who might find it helpful, please take a moment and help get the word out about this podcast. You can do that in three specific ways. Number one, you can subscribe to this podcast. The plan is to release a new podcast every two weeks, other than these first couple weeks, which I'm trying to get a few extra ones out. If you hit the subscribe button, you'll be alerted when the next episode is available. Secondly, rate and review this on iTunes. This is huge. It just takes a few seconds, you know, five stars. Wow, this is amazing. You know, something like that. Um, Again, whatever you want. Thirdly, get the word out on social media. If this is helpful for you, it might also be helpful to someone else. It would be huge if you would take 20 seconds to share this on social media and get the word out. Who knows? But I think it's quite possible that some of the people who are following you on social media might be feeling further from God than they would prefer to be feeling today and might be wondering how they can rekindle that closeness. Again, thank you for rating this and reviewing this and getting the word out. It makes a big difference and specifically it it helps other people who are feeling stuck and dissatisfied with where their hearts are with God to find this podcast and get the help they're looking for. So thank you. My heart is to see our whole generation reawaken to walk in fresh, close, long-lasting, life-giving connection to the God of the Bible. Some people can fumble through this path alone, but everyone does exponentially better with help.